going on viewers and listeners everyone on the youtube and everybody on the podcast welcome to another episode of the coffee with sam podcast other competitions are available to all the listeners i'm sat here and a sat here in a bright blue Jamfest t-shirt with a bright blue light behind me i didn't plan it honest but Jamfest, great competition but they are, there are other competitions available. So today's guest, guys, he is currently a doctoral, doctoral researcher at Birmingham University, City University, investigating the health and nutrition of adolescent swimmers alongside a novel indigestion strategy of sodium bicarbonate. And whether this can be improved in swim, this can improve swimming athletic performance. He is also sports scientist for City of Birmingham Swimming Club, leading nutrition, physiology, strength and conditioning. His qualifications are MSc in sports science. He's an MNU certified nutritionist, five years working with general population with nutrition as a personal trainer. Woo! So this, this dude is qualified up to the hilts. And in this episode, we talk about all things portion control, nutrition strategies, and what athletes and general population should be looking to adhere to or try to change in this very, very weird time. Let's get into the podcast and see what he has to say. Roll the music. Gosh, there we go. Yeah. How are we? Oh, good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm doing well, as much as we can do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I quite like being indoors, so it's not a problem for me. <laughs> no, it's just, you, you, you do a few jobs and then you're like, oh, I'll go do this. Nah, I can't leave the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been out once today, that's it. Oh yeah, where you been? Ah, just went for a walk. Where you been? Literally sure. for a walk. I don't even go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> just full caveman, stay in the house. <laughs> I've got to stay in on the sofa. Good, but welcome to the show, Josh. <laughs> welcome to the Coffee with Sam podcast. What are you doing? Are you doing much with um, the swimming side of things whilst you're out of work? Or are you still in work? Or what's this devastating situation done to you? Yeah, so it was quite late because we were the leisure centres. So we were still training whilst everyone else was um, kind of in lockdown and being sent home. But yeah, now we're just completely out of the pool. So it's kind of taken a massive hit on training-wise. Um, mainly just land work, so going out for runs, and just circuit-type training. But obviously, when they get back to actually trying to swim, it's going to be a big problem for them. Um, but yeah, it's going as well you, as it, it can be. You're, your swimmers still on like a programme? You're still looking after them? or Yeah, yeah, we've kind of set up schedules for them, so just to make sure they're doing something. I'm actually running online workouts every Monday and Friday to make sure they're actually getting some hard work done. How many swimmers do you look after, Josh? Ooh, we have 27 in the first and second squads, and then there's like 14 development squad. So there's about, oh, about 70 overall, 70. Nice, and do you have to look after all of their aspects? Like their nutrition, um, their training, their... We look after their nutrition and training mainly. Um, not 
so the other coaches kind of look after what they do, uh, like technique-wise. Yeah, no, no, it's just I banning don't get you as much of a swimming coach, Josh. So oh, I'm, I haven't got a clue about swimming at all. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember the last time I went for a swim. But um, yes, yeah, mainly the nutrition of the the older guys, the ones that are actually going to be competing. At, and over this national, over this level. time, what have you guys put in place as in a goal to keep the athletes mentally focused? We, we do keep up. Um, so just have like video meetings with them. Uh, on at least a weekly basis. So even that's just going through analysing different performance techniques, just to make sure they're still thinking about swimming and how to keep that technique and um, how they can train for that uh, outside of the pool. So that's what I'll come in and maybe put together some workouts for them, different movement patterns to actually work uh, uh, on their strength and explosiveness to help in the pool. Um, what was your question again? Sorry. <laughs> nutrition, what, nutrition wise, like what, what are you doing to keep them mentally stimulated? So say if like we've got any athletes watching this, but we've got cheer athletes that could be watching this. Yeah. That are a bit like, well, the season, is it over? Is it not over? Um, so what are you doing with your swimmers to keep them mentally, like up, staying in the goal, not just going off the wagon and thinking, well, we're not even swimming anymore. So what's the point? Oh, we are tracking their nutrition. We're making sure, oh, we track their body weight on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, just to make sure that their energy intake is, meeting their demands so they're not actually going off the wagon as you said um and just overeating and putting quite a bit of weight on which is going to be quite a struggle when they get back in the pool um because it's going to be quite a bit slower so we're making sure that they're around their energy intake um we're also kind of tracking what they're eating so that's for a food diary every two to three weeks took a three-day photo food diary where we can give feedback got over whatsapp as well uh, so just making sure they're not going completely off the wagon. We do understand that they're going to be um, probably lying on the sofa for quite a lot of snacks. So I think we all have. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of a, just keeping in contact really, just keeping yeah. them accountable and on the toes rather than just letting them get on with it. So do they have a, instead of just the, the, the you said the diary was one what you're going to keep check on. Is there, yes. what is their other, do you have a plan? Do they have a structure or is it literally just writing it down and you say, come on? Stop that. <laughs> uh, some, it's different for different swimmers. Some are more motivated than others. Yeah. Uh, some literally have a schedule and they're, they're really fixed to it. Uh, some just kind of just go with the flow. But it's kind of hard to manage at the moment, especially with their motivations. Um, yeah, you're finding them so with their... Carry on. I was going to say, um, we've had some that you get, you get a photo food diary back from them and it looks perfect. And then when you actually speak to them about a couple of weeks down the line, it's completely different to what they, they sent us. So it's kind of hard to, to get them to give a schedule if they're not going to stick to it anyway. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of, just trying to keep them accountable and making sure they know yeah. what they should be doing. And I don't want to dip on it too much, but um, my last like two podcasts have been like mental, uh, mental yeah. effects of all this going on. Do you find you're having to have any coaches on the other side, like looking after their mental well-being, or is that just what you're doing, speaking to them and checking up on them? We haven't really got anyone to look, look after their psychology. Um, so it is kind of all on us. So it's just making sure we're in contact with them. Uh, making sure they keep in contact with each other as well. So just setting up little meetings where they can talk to each other and make sure they're in that team environment. Um, yeah, it is mainly just, just us 
going out there and getting in contact with them and just asking how they're doing yeah. and just making it seem as normal as possible. So I think that's what they're lacking really is that normality in yeah. their schedule, isn't it? We all are, but especially when you're an elite athlete, yeah. you've got a very precise schedule and just to suddenly be, I'd, I'd hate to be, I know we keep the footballers are at the forefront of all the conversation at the moment, but I'd hate to be an athlete like that or a runner or any, any, any top level athlete to have to go from strict planning to now trying to keep that strict plan, but be stuck in the same box in the same house. Yeah. Like, it, I can't imagine what that would must feel like. And I say it's even more of a job for you guys then to keep on top, top of that. Yeah. It's very, it's very hard really, isn't it? It's kind of, trying to tell them that everyone's in the same boat, that everyone's going to be yeah. struggling um, with regards to getting their training done and keeping on top of their nutrition. So just trying to be better than them. <laughs> so just trying to say, like, we've got, in swimming, it's not really that well-funded, especially at like, the junior level. Yeah. So for us to have nutrition and like, strength support is kind of a, a lot higher than a lot of the clubs around. So just trying to maintain that, actually, because you're getting this level of support, you're probably going to be in a better position when we get back, even though you don't feel like you're, you're working towards anything at the moment. Yeah, because um, they've actually got people there, whereas some clubs don't have yeah. the funding to even have you guys there, let alone mental um, well-being coaches. And... A lot of clubs have shut down completely, not even in training, not even like, having anyone look after them. That's so insane. they're literally doing nothing at the moment, just sitting around. That's why it's like a cheer at the moment. So like a lot of it's not paid work, but you feel like as a coach... You still have to, even if the season's over, you still feel like, feel like you've got to be checking up on your team daily or we at least we'd be checking for a half an hour cheer session when we would have been training normally. Um, just because you start to think about that, the, the mental well-being and the, well, what's the point? Um, yeah. So you say, even if you, I know a lot of cheer teams are still paying coaches to do full-on sessions, um, but a lot of ours is structured where you'll go, it's not paid work, but you're doing it just, you feel like you have that duty of care to um so yeah your team's pretty lucky that they've still got you guys on hand yeah um it's quite worrying actually for the older guys that are going off to university so they're like don't really got anything to work to so they just may just back out of swimming completely at this moment in time so they're not really training for anything they don't know when they're coming back uh, so that's another worry that they do have on our hands so people might literally um just get into the normality of sitting around and not grafting in training because they, they train eight times a week so they're getting up at 5 a.m every morning to train and um yeah to go, go to school are you, are you finding that a battle as, a, as their strength and nutrition coach that to try and keep them on that structure but not be too much of a a pressuring arsehole <laughs> you're like there all the time but do you feel like that you're you're struggling to to keep that in them when they're not actually leaving the house or they're not actually doing the sport that they train to do? Yes and no, really. I think, again, it just comes down to their motivations. Some of them are really keen and engaging with a lot of the stuff we're putting on. Yeah. So we're doing like cooking workshops, um, so like virtual cooking workshops, virtual performance analysis, and people are getting involved and asking questions and uh, really into it. And then there's others that don't really show up or they haven't really been engaged in it yeah so it's kind of hard knowing where they are if because we can't actually go and speak to them just send them a message or just try and call them yeah and you feel at this time you can't be too pressured it's not like you're in a season it's like 
bro, you're going to mess up your, your yeah. time. It's a bit like you can't be that forceful because we're all in a shit situation. So you can't just have to, like you say, leave them to it, send them a few messages and yeah, but yeah. that is real tough. So with what you were mentioning about um, how you're getting them to manage their intake, what would you yourself, if you had maybe your top five or top three for an average person or an athlete be to try and manage that intake? Yeah, so basically it's portion control. So we tell all of our athletes that they want to get something in before training, maybe have like a carbohydrate snack, uh, just to make sure they've got enough energy because they're going to train for like two hours in the morning and they make sure they're getting a good, healthy, like quite high calorie, high energy meal uh, after training. And then they're going back, going to school and then going to training again after school. So they're going to have to be having more snacks and having the high calorie drinks to make sure they're getting that energy in. And now they're going to a period where they might be training for half an hour a day. So it's just trying to get them to change that mindset completely. Um, so yeah, portion control is a massive one. Um, I spoke to someone yesterday and she was like, oh, I'm still trying to get um, my breakfast in. I'm still trying to have a carbohydrate snack before my training. And then she's only going for a half an hour run as opposed to two hours of constant swimming. Um, so it's a massive, massive difference. It's just trying to say, like, chill out a little bit. Um, more, of, more of like a, a mindset yeah. portion control of that uh, they're not fueling to work out anymore. Yeah. So they're fueling to... just to survive type yeah, pretty much, yeah. before they're, they're thinking uh get the carbs in get that high calorie meal in because i'm about to go train i need to fuel for two hours instead of that now just thinking well your body can survive doing 30 minutes of jogging start eating and like the portion sizes you got to think more of just for you to survive than for you to actually be able to train full out for two hours that yeah so yeah so kind of as a rough guide would say like half a plate being carbohydrates a quarter of a plate being proteins or uh, and then maybe a quarter of a plate of vegetables now it's probably just we've put out a bit more information to swap that around so maybe half a plate of vegetables so we're still getting that um, high quality food in getting quite a lot of fiber in so fiber being uh, highly satiating can't can you um, keep fuller for longer yeah so ho hopefully there won't be um, any motivation there to snack in between meals um, and also just keeping that protein up. So protein again is quite filling, uh, but something they need just to keep their muscle mass up. They're not going to be training as hard. Uh, I don't know what it's like in cheer. How long do you tra train for in cheer? Three hours. Three hours. Three hours on a yeah. So we the session, but minute yeah maximum three hours. So seven till ten um, would be my team. Some teams are smaller. Some teams so but you're going to look minimum two hours, two and a half hours. Um, I mean, some, you got that. some teams could be once a week some teams could be four times a week so you got that stimulus really of throwing people around for three hours whereas now you're not really using them same kind of muscles um, so make sure protein's in uh, is going to be one for actually keeping that muscle mass and keeping that strength up whilst the training load's reduced so, yeah, so protein and fibre is going to be one for uh, keeping you fuller for longer and actually helping reduce um, the want to eat more, uh, therefore like snacks and hopefully having smaller meals. Uh, so actually getting more nutrient, uh, less nutrient density. So the calorie density, that's the one, not nutrient density. So you have more nutrients, less calories per plate of food. If you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. 
Um, I'll say another one is the food environment in which you're placing yourself. So if anyone's been out there just hoarding up on crisps and biscuits, you're going to have that food easily accessible. So it's just easy just to go down, look in the fridge, look in the cupboard, pick something very high calorie out and just sit there and eat it whilst watching Netflix, as opposed to not having that actually in the house or not, uh, not freely available. So hide it at the back of the cupboards. Um, we'll just actually reduce the, the likelihood of, of binge eating and stuff like that. Yeah, we've, we've found that as a family, we've started to like, there's things that we used to buy on the weekly that we're like, we cannot buy that anymore. Um, yeah. Because like, they'll just disappear. It's like a pack of biscuits will last a day, whereas they used yeah. to have a week, two weeks. Because like you say, that want for just snacking or just wanting to keep busy, and we all end up turning to, to food, don't we? Yeah. Um, cool. So, portion control, um, food environment, protein and fiber. For the listeners and the watchers, protein is going to be easy for people to find. What are fiber sources? Fiber is mainly your whole grains, uh, your vegetables, and things like nuts. So, anything plant based. So, you think like healthy plant based food rather than. Uh, like, past, like pasta and things that are classed as plant-based food, but if you think like leafy vegetables, things that have colours in, uh, yeah, and, and nuts really. So it's just okay. plants. Awesome. And I won't go too much into protein because these days we've got vegan, all these different types. So. I think you can have a bit of a crossover there. We've having your beans, pulses, lentils, and also your, your wheats and your nuts. Uh, so they have quite a bit of protein in. If you mix those together, you can actually get a good uh, amino acid profile out of those and have a, a decent high protein meal. So that's for vegans? Yeah, it's for vegans, vegetarians. I think soy is pretty good as well. Awesome. So, um, I had another question I was about to ask you. I was literally yeah. about to ask you. Good, if you've got another point to flow onto, just flow onto it from there. But, yeah, mindful eating as well. Um, just being aware, being more aware of what you're eating. and uh, So it kind of links in with that food environment. But just every time you go to eat something or drink something, just thinking, do I need to eat it? What? Why am I Why am I going to this in my board? Or am I thirsty? Or just looking for something to do? It might be worth keeping a journal if that's a, a bit of a problem. If you find like you're, you're actually overeating quite a bit, just keeping a journal and writing down your feelings at that time, what's led you to, to seek food at that certain uh, time of the day. Um, and then just maybe having a little tracker on your, on your fridge also, it's a pretty good one. Just like, have I had my protein today? Have I had my, my supplements? Things like that. Um, have I had my three meals? Therefore, do I need to snack at this term, certain amount of time? So just thinking about that if you've been just yeah. randomly picking at foods, if you've written it down, you might not forget as such. Um, because yes, that's another thing with like tracking. I kind of stray away from tracking calories. Um, nowadays, I think not, not many people want to do that. It's not really a healthy way to look at it a lot, um, for a lot of people. But yeah, even just tracking, tracking calories so you can see what's going in and out by using things like MyFitnessPal, uh, just kind of gives you an idea of, uh, things you might have forgotten because there's been times a day oh, I haven't eaten today and then actually you look back and you've had a bag of mini cheddars and a handful of nuts and 
Four Six Jaffa cakes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, maybe I have. Yeah, but, but like you say, you haven't, apart from the nuts, you've had nothing that's really going to fill you up there. No, no, no. Even if it's just stuff you don't really realise, just having a, I think for athletes as well, it's having like a LucasAid, because they just have that quite often, just to fuel their training. They're actually looking at the, they're actually having a, a reduced need for that energy, and they're looking at the calories in a, a LucasAid bottle that's 200, that they're not really going to be expended. It might just be worth Think about that and maybe switch into water or squash instead. So just making simple food swaps based on actually realising how much they were eating before compared to what they do need now. Would you think throughout this time, say some people are still training, not as specific, um, but they are, some people are still hitting it hard an hour, an hour and a half in at home with weights. Yes, their weights might not be as heavy. Would you still say nutrition around training is, is in, just as important? Or would you say because we've got this big need to control calories, that that's going to be the more important thing to think about than getting it training and time specific? Yeah, it's definitely still important because you can still drive adaptations. So like your endurance and strength uh, can still increase whilst we're not doing uh, sport-specific training. Uh, so it's definitely worth getting the most out of that training session. So actually fueling it properly and then getting your protein after to recover. Um, I would say that it does depend on the individual, how hard they are training and what they're doing activity wise around it. I'm going to use myself as an example here. Um, so I do mainly weight training. I don't really have any need to be athletic, just mainly, mainly train for the beach. Um, so actually just coming into doing home workout it's gone from like four to five strength training sessions per week to six to seven circuit cardio type training sessions so I thought to myself oh I'm going to get absolutely shredded here like a few weeks lots of ways doing just cardio every day I'm going to get absolutely shredded and so far I've put on 0.5 kilos uh, <laughs> so mainly that is just because not going to work not going to the shops every day and uh just walking, just walking around at work, you probably don't notice, or walking around at school, or just being able to be outside and going to get petrol, things like that. That's actually going to be burning more calories than what you're actually doing sitting on the sofa all day. So it's worth, yes, tracking, a, uh, seeing what you're having around training, but also actually looking at the overall need as well. So you might not actually need to completely load up on carbohydrates before that session, especially if you're going to have another meal later in the evening, um, where it's just going to actually tip you over that energy balance. Awesome. So you were, you were dip, dipping on there on something that is affecting everybody, not yeah. just athletes, and that's how much we're moving and activity. Yeah. How important is that to your overall calorie, your daily calorie intake and goal? Well, alcohol. Oh, it's massive. So our, our metabolism... It's made up about 70% from your basal metabolic rate. So just your body's processes keeping you alive. About 10% of your thermic effect of food, which is the digestion of food and um, can't really affect that much. Maybe protein has a higher thermic effect. You've probably heard of the meat sweats. So actually having a high protein diet, you might have slightly higher uh, metabolism. Not a great deal. So it's nothing to really focus on. And then the remaining 20% is probably... 5% actually comes from the exercise that we do and 15% comes from uh, non 
exercise activity thermogenesis, which is uh, what we call NEAT. And that is just literally movement that we don't class as exercise, so just moving around all day. It does take up a massive proportion. Um, so actually dropping that 15% out, really, you've kind of got 15% slower metabolism. Um, but depending on how much you're actually still doing. So if you're going for a walk, you might be keeping it up. But someone like me who actually doesn't actually go outside, it's taking a bit of a hit. But like you were saying as well, though, just the daily things of walking to the car, walking from the yeah. car, putting gas in the car, walking from the car to work, walking from work up the stairs, walking around work, moving work. Standing up as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, standing up um, on, on, your, on your laptop or walking to the coffee machine or walking to the shop at lunch and... That all adds up, and I think yeah. the average person, a lot of people don't know that, but athletes don't know that either. They just think, oh, mine's all from training, it's all from training, and it's not from training. That's the bit that's going to get them, isn't it, really? It's, the training will affect them, but if they're a high-level athlete, they're going to keep training at home. Yeah, it might not be as intense, but they're going to train. It's probably the same calorie output, right, as well. What you're going to be doing at home is what you'll be doing in the gym as such maybe not your swimmers um and maybe not like cheer when we're going full out 10 times two and a half minutes every time um go flat out but um it's the walking around and the moving and the fidgeting that we're not doing which is going to have a bigger effect than actually taking away the exercise from them is that what you think yeah yeah def definitely yeah it's just a just everyday things that we're not doing at the moment. So even just going to the gym, you're still walking from machine to machine as opposed to just staying in one place, staying on the floor and doing a bit of circuit card training with your body weight. So it is, it is massive. It's something you should definitely be aware of. Awesome. So you touched on um, protein need to keep muscle mass. How do we keep muscle mass? Is that from running? Is that from... How, how, do we, how do we sustain our muscle mass? So the main thing is going to be training to actually putting some resistance through that muscle. It doesn't have to be weight training as, uh, as such, but going, um, doing repetitions till you get close to failure can actually still build muscle. So there's actually a study out there that shows that uh, lifting weights between one and six repetitions is similar to going up 30 repetitions plus, but you're going to... Sim to um, to near failure. So I think we can all do uh, near failure with press-ups without going to 30 reps, unless you're an absolute beast. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> die after about 10. Yeah. Um, so you can still you can still make some good strength gains or strength progress, or at least maintain muscle with body weight training. Okay, so athletes, so athletes to, to, to maintain muscle mass over this time, they've got to be creating a muscle stimulus some way. Yeah. Yeah, just, just putting some kind of stimulus through the muscle, uh, even just slowing down. Say if you haven't got any weights or you don't want to do body weight stuff, just doing like, some resistance band and really squeezing the muscle. So actually putting that stimulus into it so it actually has a need to still be there. Uh, but even just going through like jumping and sprinting, things like that, uh, it's going to put something through there as well. And then you mentioned about um, like protein needed to yeah. be there for muscle stimulus even if it's from um, animal products or from uh, plant-based, you still need that protein stimulus. Is, how important is it to have it straight after training as a normal daily athlete 
or whilst we're stuck in quarantine? Ooh, there's a, it could have a big effect, a bigger effect if you have it after training, but the window in which you could have it is yeah. quite debatable. So probably heard about the, the anabolic window of opportunity, 30 minutes after training to make the most gains. Yeah. That could be as long as two hours. Um, so as long as you're getting protein in, so a recommendation really for not just athletes, but general population, uh, is to have protein every three to four hours. So if you have like 0.3 to 0.5 grams per kilogram, just to put that into context, that's about 18 to 30 grams per a 60 kilogram athlete. Uh, if you're having that every three to four hours, then it wouldn't really make much difference where you're training, where you have it in relation to training. So it's either going to be before training, then you do, do your session, and then you'll have it within an hour after training because it's going to fit in that three to four windows, uh, three to four hour window, sorry. Or you could maybe not have protein before it, and then once you've finished your training, you're going to need that protein again to fit within that four hours. Um, so that's going to be important. So where it actually comes from, it's mainly leucine is going to be the main driver, which is one of the amino acids. Yeah. The only reason it's probably seen more is, uh, meat and dairy products have more leucine in per gram of product, but you can still get enough leucine if you mix certain beans, wheat, um, pulses, things like that, nuts. So all different protein sources. So it doesn't have to be meat or dairy. Vegetarians can just have just as much of a, an impact. With athletes, do you find, especially with the younger generation, that it, instead of saying like per gram or this much, that, that much, it's better just to say, get it. Get some <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't just, just confuse them completely by saying that. Um, so it's kind of, my approach is kind of give them the, the boring bit, the scientific bit, and then just say that's basically just this amount. So sort of say, look, it's 0.3 grams every so often. Just make sure you have 20 grams recovered. Yeah. Um, yeah, so try not to confuse them too much. Uh, but just make sure that they can understand the science because some of them are really interested. I mean, some of the swimmers I work with, just mind-blowing what they know compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, some of them are really your job easier, right? Yes and no, because they ask a lot of questions. And you're like, just shut up and eat it. <laughs> yeah, one of them has asked me, like, because nicotine's a stimulant, shouldn't we be having that before we were going into a race? But, uh, <laughs> couldn't actually argue against him, but no. <laughs> yeah, let, let, me, let me look at the science and I'll get back to you. <laughs> but the science was good. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Proper got me there. Well, sometimes you might disagree here. Sometimes you have to just go with the not always go with science oh yeah go with i mean science is there just to a guide but everybody's different aren't they yeah not not make it up not just become some voodoo dude and just make some stuff up <laughs> but like like you say science says do this well yeah what happens if this athlete just does not want to do that they're gonna have to do this or science says nicotine's a great stimulant but come on look at the cons to it yeah to that one pro of it being a stimulant so would you have is it the, what is it? I'm interested in that. So is that the same thing <laughs> as a caffeine? Yeah, it's similar. I think it's just exactly the same sort of. Which is why people end up smoking because they get addic not addicted, but it's that feeling of buzz, like 
Yeah, yeah. So they get a, kind of a buzz in that um, reduced tiredness, and then they could actually go and perform better. But <laughs> also, it's a bit more addictive. Yeah. So it's not also, really worth it. Where, if, do you help the general public, Josh? Uh, not so much anymore. Um, not since I've been in my current role. Do you put much out on social media? Uh, not as much. <laughs> I ain't got time to now. So no, I'm doing so a PhD if, alongside. If any athletes, cheer athletes or any athletes listening to this wanted to get in contact with you, oh, yeah. do you help? Would they? Yeah, I could, I could provide some advice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? Cool. Where would they find you? They'll be at josh.newbury on Instagram or josh.nutrition on Twitter. Good. Thanks for coming on, Josh. So athletes, cheerleaders, anyone watching or listening to this on the podcast, if you want to get I am no stupid questions because he's a very busy man um, looking after 50-odd um, national swimmers. Um, so, yeah, thanks for coming on. And I hope, no hope you'll come on again. Yeah? Definitely. Yeah. Whenever. Have a later, dude.